umbrella word of other qualities that come underneath it, like confidence and vulnerability. Um, Cause I think that those are really, I think those are the two main ones that we have to find a significant balance between being confident um, and crafting a specific person, but also being vulnerable and open to who you really are. Mm-hmm. Cause I think both are, um, both are required to support one another. So for me, when I feel like I'm being authentic, I feel like I'm stepping into any space. Hello and welcome to Authentic on Air with Bruce Alexander, sponsored by Duluth. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. I wish. Oh. <laughs> I really wish. But I'm manifesting it. I'm putting it out there. Damn. Duluth hit me up because I wear nothing but your clothes. <laughs> so, all right. So I've been doing some research, and I think it's in everyone's best interest that I start with a disclaimer. Authentic on Air is a place that promotes authenticity and healing, but I am not a mental health professional, and this is not to be taken as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health issues, I encourage you to seek professional advice. Hopefully, though, here you can find community support and examples of how others live authentically, and you can do the same. Evelyn Smith, or as I know her, Eve, is a good friend of mine, and that could be a story all on its own, considering I'm almost 40 and she is 22. Um, At close to half my age, she has already done more good than most will do in their entire lifetimes. She has left an an indelible mark on the community she calls home, and I'm excited to get into this conversation with her. But first, today's reflection. Are acts of service part of your identity? Why or why not? I have found that I feel my most myself when I'm caring for or about someone else. I spent so much of versions one and two of myself being completely self-absorbed, I now find clarity in seeing the best of myself reflected in others. Think about what role acts of service take in your life and how you relate to the world. As always, I am genuinely interested and would love to hear any interesting, surprising, or revelational insights uncovered. So you can hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, threads, or LinkedIn at, at AuthenticIdentityManagement.com. I'm sorry, at AuthenticIdentityManagement. <clears throat> so I never would have predicted that this nemesis across from me would produce one of the most meaningful connections I made in two and a half years at OKCU. I sit across from my friend today, Eve. Welcome, Eve. Hello there. <laughs> Hello. So do you remember our first like real interaction? Oh, no, I love remembering how I meet people. I don't. Was it graphic design? That was, a, that was the first class we had together, but, like, the first time we actually had any actual interaction. First meaningful interaction? Yeah. So not first meeting. Not first meeting, but the first meaningful. Probably when I went like this. You're a firefighter. So you, don't, so you don't remember this situation, and this is really funny. <laughs> I'm scared. I was running late one day. And I had claimed the front seat in the class for mine for like the first three, four, five weeks of the semester. And whenever I was late, which I never was, you stole my seat. And it was the it was the only M1 computer, the only M1 Mac. It was the best one. Like, I, I know you had no idea. So like knowing you now, I know that none of this had anything to do with me, the computer or anything. You just needed to talk to Travis, um, who was our professor at the time. Great dude. But... I was pissed. Mm-hmm. I was so upset, and I was like, 
you can ask my wife. I thought I had made a new, <laughs> like a new lifetime enemy. That's I was so like, <laughs> I, I, my whole day was ruined. I don't think I knew I learned anything that day. I was like, she took my computer. I was just like five minutes late. And now everything is ruined. Now you're getting punished for it. Exactly. So that was my ADHD and my yeah, my ability to regulate emotions going a little bit wild there. Um, That's fine. I pulled it. I pulled it back in. And I was able to forgive you. <laughs> even though you had no idea about this entire this whole battle I had in my mind. And then we, we finally did speak whenever you... Realized that I was working with the fire department and you were using emergency service as your service act for pageantry. Am I saying that right? It was a lot of work. Just community service initiative. Yeah, your community service yeah. in- initiative. Yeah, yeah. Real short. Yes, that's much better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was... That's how I, I looked at you. I didn't know that. I was like... So every time I walked into class for like the next couple of weeks, it was just like... <laughs> She better not get near my seat. That's so funny. I have no desire to be in that seat. I hope you know. <laughs> I love sitting in the back <laughs> every single time. Yeah, I was. Oh, man, I was upset. I'm such a baby. That is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And I'm so glad that I got to make that moment for you. And, you know, and then we started talking eventually. And then you actually, like I said, the most meaningful connection I made there. I had a lot of people who helped me, you know, being the old person going back to school just, you know, navigating that world a second time, much differently, sober, um, like all the time at school. Very yeah. different. Very different. So a lot of people who were important to me coming out of that. But you and I are the really the only people that became friends. Yeah. Like it's hard to make friends as a returning student whenever you're that much older than people. Yeah. And it's hard to make friends as a student let alone as someone who's experienced so much more life than a lot of mm-hmm. us and has more perspective, yeah. I feel like. But I was I was really impressed with you and your ability to connect with younger people without making us uncomfortable and without it being a weird thing, you know? Without yeah, Thank no. you so much. <laughs> Thank you. You're it's welcome. good to hear that because I, mean, I, I felt weird at times. Well, I could, but I, I don't know. I think it was honorable. I had another woman in my art classes that, was um, in her 40s, mm-hmm. and it, I could just see it hard coming back because we're hard people to break into, a hard age mm. group to try to break into, even for each other. Yeah. So I was impressed. Well, thank you so very much. I really do appreciate hearing that. So let's rewind a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're currently doing with your time, and why you think I might have had you on. Yeah. So I'm Evelyn. I just graduated from Oklahoma City University, and I'm pre-law. But I'm taking a couple of years off just to breathe because four years is a long time. And I was at OCU Overcommitted University, so I was... <laughs> How did I never hear that? You never heard that? I never heard that. People who went there 40 years ago know about Overcommitted wow. University. It's it's the truth because the first year you join as a freshman, you join everything. And that's mm. exactly what I did. And even after I rained it back, I was very involved. So I just needed a moment to reflect on who I wanted to be because that's... Very different than 18-year-old Evelyn um, versus now, four years later, who I want to be and what I want to do with my life. But in the meantime, I am still competing for Miss Oklahoma, which is an important organization to me because I just want to become the role model that I needed in Mm. Oklahoma at four, at eight. I didn't have the type of role models besides my incredible sisters and mom that I needed to see outside because for me, representation is important. It's important for me to compete not just for young girls, young black women, anyone who feels different 
to see someone involved that looks different, not just, you know, show up, but succeed. Right. Because for us, it's not just like, oh, like in, in a movie, you see a black woman as a supporting character. You're like, great. Mm-hmm. But if you see her as the lead, you see her winning. I think that's mm-hmm. when you're inspired. So that's what I want to do within that organization. But now I'm also working with MHB Consulting, which is a lot like we were talking about a lot of mm-hmm. this setup and crafting people's brands so that I can learn to how to craft my own because right. I think that's also I want my brand to be aligned with my purpose which I believe is to leave people better than I found them mm. um, and so the reason I think I'm here is to kind of like we talked about before is I think I'm a trailblazer and I've done a lot and I had a fear at one point that people would see me from the outside and be like all you ever do is pageants right mm. but then I look at my resume and I'm like but that helped you do a lot right so I think that's what I, why I'm here and what I'm here to talk about Man, you're so polished. Yes, <laughs> you, you've done the speaking thing before, haven't you? I've said a word or two. Um, you're, I feel like you are really good at just streamlining your thoughts and answering the question. And people have struggled with that. Yeah. It can be hard whenever you... It's a skill. It is a skill. It's a it was, practice skill for me. And you're, you've, got, you've gotten that muscle strong. Thank you. So, I will interview. <laughs> <laughs> what does authenticity mean to you? To me, that's a very subjective term. That's why I asked for you. <laughs> that I feel like a lot of people don't know how to come into alignment. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it's such an umbrella word of other qualities that come underneath it, like confidence and vulnerability. Because um, I think that those are really, I think those are the two main ones that we have to find a significant balance between being confident um, and crafting a specific person, but also being vulnerable and open to who you really are. Because mm-hmm. I think both are um, both are required to support one another. So for me, when I feel like I'm being authentic, I feel like I'm stepping into any space and not lessening the truest parts of me. Mm. So like I was talking about an interview in Miss Oklahoma, um, I don't loosely say that it was the best interview I've ever had because I stepped in front of people and I set the tone. I came in and I was not the thermometer, I was the thermostat, and I wasn't mm. apologetic for anything about who I am or my story, and I was happy to share it, but I knew when to share what, so you're like in control of your story and your conversation, but also why I was sharing what I was sharing, which is really important. So I think being able to walk into any room and know that there's different aspects of yourself that you can show, but all of them can be true to you if you allow them to come up when they're supposed to. Wow, that was great. Thank you. Where does that confidence come from for you? A lot of different sources. So I think the first experience with confidence that I can remember is with my mom. I grew, was raised by a single mom from very humble beginnings, and people often ask what that means, is that we grew up pretty poor. <laughs> so, and without... I knew what it meant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But without a lot of resources. So... Um, she was someone who was such a dreamer and she still is, which is why one of the reasons I love her, but she introduced us to affirmations. And so from the time I could talk, really, it would be, I am confident. I am loved. I am beyond my circumstances. Everything that I need to succeed is already inside of me. If my dreams don't scare me, they're not big enough. I was raised on those phrases at such a young age. And so I think that was really incredible to set the foundation to to put to be my home within myself and something to come back to. And as you grow older, I think a lot of us disconnect with that initial 
kid-like confidence, even mm-hmm. if you didn't experience affirmations, every kid believes that they can be president, that they can do anything, and then they interact with the world and believe a little less in themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think recently where I've been trying to find my confidence, because as a newly grad, without a specific timeline to tell people, it can be really hard to remain confident in uncertainty, which is what I've chosen instead of going straight to law school or be like, oh, I'm going to have one gap year and then take the LSAT in January, apply. I just, I don't have that type of timeline. And I probably did when I was 18, but you know, every 18 year old knows exactly where their life is going. So now I'm trying to have confidence in my now, which is really difficult for me because I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I'm a planner. I love, I love making plans to dream about them. Mm. I think that's awesome, but I think I've had to become comfortable with dreaming without a certainty. Wow. I have, I mean, you are, so my business is coaching people to be more like you. Mm. Like yeah. you, like the, the problem is so many of us did not grow up with affirmations. And whenever you have that base foundation of, I believe in myself, my soul is beautiful, all those things, it's much easier to come back to, you know, to like do a little bit of just a little bit of work and kind of pull yourself back together and remember who you are when you don't have that. It's, it's so much harder. And I just, I love that I have you on right now just so people can hear what it sounds like to actually live your life. Yeah. And you know, you are having to fight a little bit because people are definitely going to say, well, you're, you don't know exactly when, and especially older people because they want, they want to hear your plan. But you, you have a plan. Yeah. And your plan is to trust the process. And that's I, I just love hearing that. Like I love hearing all the things that, you know, in theory, I want people to believe. Seeing somebody do it. Like it is possible. And it's easy to know. And I'll be very vulnerable. Recently, it's been a lot harder to do. But kind of like you were saying, it's less of me believing these truths about myself. Like I'm not good enough or I don't know what I'm doing, but it's more of remembering myself that's Mm -hmm. the process of when I when my health mental health is just terrible or when my confidence is down it's less of like I am now terrible Mm -hmm. even if that's a thought that happens I know that it's not true which I think is really important basis um because struggle is still there but it's the difference between believing all the falsehoods and knowing them to be lies Mm -hmm. even if they're happening right now right yeah and struggle can last as long as you want it to if you don't, if you're not believing in yourself, the struggle is going to keep going. <laughs> like if you don't believe crazy, yeah. that you can find a way out, then yeah, you can't. Yeah. Like if you can't give yourself the strength to do the thing, you're not going to do the thing. So, yeah, I I just really applaud you for being able to do that. So impressive. You're such an impressive young lady. Thank you so much. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you talked about your mom some. I've met your mom. Yeah. Amazing woman. Yes. How do you think, besides the affirmations, she has uh, like uh, affected how you in, are influenced by the world and how you move within it? So the other day, uh, my mom and I went to a stargazing event. event. Um, I think it was called The Space for Us. And it was people of color allowing the community to have access to this because not to astronomy, I should say, Um, because not a lot of people get access to that, especially in privileged communities. And so we were there together, and I saw her interacting with people, 
every person that she was interacting with, she was like, I actually took astronomy in the eighth grade and I lose my favorite class. Oh my gosh, I love that movie. That was my favorite color. I don't know. Just everything, uh, everyone she met, she had an opportunity to connect with them and mm. they were all, as we're here for, authentic. Mm. They weren't crafted and um, carefully curated for any other opportunity than to just connect with them. Right. And I think that I have recently as an adult seen seen that in myself too because I was always the kid that got introverts out of their shell or at the park I was like mom look at my new best friend which was not always the <laughs> best <laughs> could make you a little uneasy as a parent but I I just I love connecting with people and I think it's the most beautiful thing about our existence and that definitely came from her and of course like through your teen years and stuff people are like oh you're just like your mom and I'm like shut up like why not but I'm so much like my mother especially in that way of just wanting to love people and wanting to connect with people and then share and exchange your gifts just to like experience one another which is a really beautiful thing that definitely stemmed from her. Wow, I, I, I like how you put that. So you talked about experiencing one another. Um, sometimes that experience can be bad. Mm-hmm. How, how does that affect who you are whenever you have a connection that turns bad and you're dealing with a toxic person? Like, do you still, are you still able to honor yourself in that situation or how does that go for you? That's really hard for me because I'm someone who internalizes a lot and it's something that I'm still working through um, because I feel so deep, so deeply and I'm such an empathetic person that interactions can really imprint on my heart. Mm. So what I've had to get good at knowing myself, knowing that I'm still working through that is stepping away. It's all right. It's okay. It's just the mail. Uh, <laughs> that happens. The, the mail's going to Okay, be I didn't know if I was supposed to, like, freeze. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've gotten really good at stepping away. I don't want to say really good, but an appropriate amount of stepping away from things that are no longer serving me because mm-hmm. I know that I'm still working on that. I've had to protect myself in that way. There's certain relationships or situations that no longer feed me or I no longer am able to serve because it is breaking me down because there's Mm. some situations where you're not supposed to be getting anything other than the act of giving right so those situations i believe are important but once it turns to where you are your confidence your authenticity all of those things are being hurt or weared away at then you have to step away and so i think i think that is just about knowing yourself knowing how you are inclined to respond to those situations and taking like a second step to taking the appropriate action. Because if you're great at just having really hard conversations and working through everything, then maybe that's not just about stepping away. But for me, I always say that everyone has flaws, everyone has mistakes that they'll make, and we're all very different people. But as humans, we get to decide which mistakes and flaws we're willing to work through. What are deal breakers in relationships? What are not? For me, lying is not okay. Like Mm. it's not something I'm willing to work through. Um, I wish you the best, (laughs) but I am someone who faced a lot of uncertainty as a child. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning that, how that is affecting me more and more as an adult even. Um, Just facing resource inequity alone, you like stability and lying presents the most unstable environment between a relationship. So that's just an example of, you get to decide what flaws and mistakes that you work through. And you just need to know when to step away or when to work and fight through it. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really poignant. And the earlier versions of myself, whenever I thought I was being authentic, I thought that meant this is who I am. You can deal with it or you can F off. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned now is that that's not what it means. It means that it's when you start sacrificing yourself for the betterment of someone else and it's, it's not intentional, that means that 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 relationship has run its course. And that's, the difference between that and just like accept me mm-hmm. like that's you know it's a very different thing it's because i want to be able to be shaped by those who love me and those i love and that's a good thing yeah being shaped by those people is good because you want to fit into those lives you want to you want to be part of their story the, the opposite is whenever you're being shaped by those who are hurting you like that's abuse <laughs> and you don't want to deal with that you want to yeah when you're not preserving yourself anymore, it's okay to step away from a situation and say that this is not this is not good for me anymore. And I, I really appreciate your ability to see that already at such a young age. I mean, I, talking of, on one of our earlier podcasts with my friend Derek, I was on version 2.5 at your age. I'm on version 5 now. <laughs> and version 5 is the healthiest I've ever been. At your age, I was so unhealthy. I was so self-absorbed. I was so narcissistic. And there were so many negative things about who I was, but I thought I was there. Mm. Like at 22, I thought I was there and I hadn't I hadn't learned anything yet. There was zero self-discovery. There was zero self-awareness. And I, th- and I thought I was there. So you at 22 to have so much self-awareness, to have actually looked at your story whenever so many adults never do. They never like actually say, wow, my childhood trauma is still affecting me. Wow, this relationship that I had, you know, informs the way I act in this situation. You're doing that stuff at 22. And I mean, your generation is different. Like you guys are just more emotionally intelligent. That's just kind of part of the the trail that we blazed because, we you know, we're just asking all these questions like, why are we so broken? And you guys saw that and you said, probably because you guys didn't like look at your experiences and learn from them. Mm-hmm. And you're doing that. And that's, I mean, I really think that's amazing. Well, I think too, what's interesting is I've had to learn that emotional awareness doesn't necessarily mean that you're growing. So I was someone who was very intuitive all my life, really very self-reflective, probably why I studied philosophy. But um, there's just a lot of things that I wasn't actually aware of myself. Just because you can talk about them doesn't mean that you're actually deciding to grow. Mm-hmm. And so that's where... I am right now of I I'm not on five and I know I'm not and so maybe it's like 2.7 because I'm not there but I know I'm not there so that's why I very much so recommend counseling to everyone because for me I need my counselor to be to you were saying like when you're hurting someone else then you're being the abuser Mm. and I don't think we understand how often we can take that role we think about how the world happens to us rather than how we happen to the world. Mm -hmm. So I've been seeing how hurt people hurt people and how my pain has hurt others. And that's a really hard, uncomfortable place to learn, to be very upfront, even with just yourself and your therapist, about how you are being problematic and Mm -hmm. how you need to change. And that's where I am, and I'm I'm still working through defending my friend's family. (laughs) So I'm still working on it. My bad. Oops. (laughs) But... I think it's just really important to be able to look at yourself as the person who needs to change. Mm. Because, like, there's so many instances where I'm like, that was hurtful, and I had to do this and that. But I'm like, what did you do? (laughs) Like, what could you have done differently 
And I think people my age especially, but also people who decide not to grow, will have, oh, hello, <laughs> tunnel vision of, of how things happen to them. So I'm just trying to, to choose right now to be better and to be understanding of being the one who is hurtful so that you can change. Because mm-hmm. I think this is, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> This is the unfiltered part. But um, I remember seeing this like random movie and someone being like, I could never murder blah, blah, blah. Right. And someone would be like, "Mm, there's something in there. Like there's something in you that would trigger it. Like something like if someone hurt your mom or someone did something. And like if we can't see ourselves and our potential of like that's what would set me off. Those are the people most likely to do those things. Yeah, absolutely. And so once we see that we have the capability to do terrible things then we can go on the other side of growth mm. once we can see the the darkest and worst parts of ourselves then we can access the true authentic good within mm-hmm. us but until we look that in the face like our shadow selves if you will then we will never reach it Absolutely. it'll just be a fake version and that's it's such an important part of authenticity is looking at the the deep dark you know the the no-go places it's like you have to see how you react to those things. You have to know what your limit is, where you know where that switch flips for you, so then you can you can respect that with your life. Otherwise, you're just ignoring it, and then guess what? You just dance around it without even being aware. Uh, something else I wanted to say that you that you triggered in my mind is that everyone has been the villain in someone's story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, e- everybody has, whether you know it or not. You have been the villain in someone's story. And whether it was intentional or not, it's important, as you said, to be able to be aware of that. So then you can access the good. You can you can look at how that situation played out, how you were the villain. And it's like, OK, I did you know 90 percent of things right, but I did this one part wrong. And mm-hmm. if I had done this, you know, I could have saved that person from pain. And once you can look at it that way and you can, you know, be humble enough to to just be of service in that moment and say, OK, let me, let me be shaped by this experience and say, yes, I was wrong. It's so hard for people to do. It's really, like, it's honestly, like, one of the hardest things about accepting yourself is saying, not just the, there's the, I'm, I'm better than this, I deserve this. That's an important part. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I am capable of bad. I've done these things to hurt people. You have to accept that, too, or else it's just, you're doomed to repeat it. I feel the hardest thing for people to be able to do is to say, I apologize Mm. for this. Because in our heads, you know, we can walk away from certain arguments and situations and be like, my bad. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I wasn't the best there. But then to be able to recognize that in yourself, come back up to someone and publicly admit to wrongdoing is so hard. And once again, the philosophy in me is thinking that the human condition is being a walking contradiction, Mm -hmm. being able to give so much love and service in the world, but also being able to be the villain in somebody's Mm -hmm. story. And I think that the best people are just the balanced ones, the ones who can recognize it in themselves, not claim perfection, but also understand that they have like a, a deep beauty in themselves to do good in the world. But you have to recognize both because you truly can't, win one or the other without like you just are you're one person but like you know the two two wolves right Mm -hmm. the two wolves are in one entity and so you have to recognize both sides or you're just going to be living an incomplete life absolutely yeah um 
So insightful. <laughs> Thank you. Amazing. So we have, we talked about this before. You're in an interracial relationship. Yeah. Um, I am as well. It's something that, you know, provides some unique challenges. Yeah, unique, for sure. And especially whenever it comes to how you grew up, being yourself along with them being themselves and being a couple together. Like how, So how has it been for you to navigate? And also, how long have you guys been together? In September, five years. Wow. That's nuts. That's nuts. So, how, like, for you, how is that being your most authentic self, being with a white man? Mm-hmm. How has that been for you? It's <laughs> it's a journey for sure, especially in my formative years. So, I grew up in Oklahoma in predominantly white environments, and we met when we were in private school. Right. So, if that tells you anything, but I I'll say this first: the reason I believe me and Noah work is because I believe that I can embrace all of my blackness without him mimicking it. Mm. I've been been in so many environments um, where I'm around white people, which I have many um, white friends that I don't feel like do this for me, and those are why our relationships work. But I've been around many where I'm uncomfortable because I feel like whether it's African-American vernacular or certain movements that maybe I don't even actually do, but they assume, like, they code switch to try Mm -hmm. to match me when some of the things are just stereotypes, that it just makes me so uncomfortable because I feel like I have to be a more, like, like, filtered, polished person because I don't feel like I can share that part of myself with you. Mm. Because it's like creating an artwork right next to someone and then just copying it. It doesn't feel... For me, my I have an art minor, and so my art to me is very, very special, and it's it, it it's just the most vulnerable part of me. And so, if I'm showing you my person, and people will see how my black culture, my black mother, my black community has shaped me when they know me, mm-hmm. but I'm only going to share that with you if I'm comfortable that I can be myself, and that you're not going to try to be me and try to take from me um, such a rich culture that was really born on resilience from traumatic and abusive relationships right. you know what I mean our yeah. our history that's what it is um so as I've gotten older um I've gotten more comfortable in my blackness and being myself because when I was in school I was not I was not able to even like I, w- I was the girl who authentically listened to indie music and alternative but also rap mm. but I didn't want to share that rap part with you if I didn't trust that you weren't gonna abuse that because I, I had a lot of instances where um, the N-word was said to and around me like it was nothing. So back to, that whole thing back to Noah is I never feel like that with him. I feel very safe in being myself without him saying or doing what I'm doing. And any any instance that we need to work through, I'm going to be like, I don't like that. And he would be like, okay, let's talk about it. Like, mm-hmm. let, tell me why so that I cannot do that again. And I think that that's like the apology part that in people that don't often like to happen, he's very good at mm. and recognizing um, where he is in certain situations. And I think also just open dialogue is what I've had to establish. Um, because I know at first with him, like we didn't 
talk about it as like a big subject at first because I think we both fell in love with each other's person. Right. But it's also the first thing you see about someone. So I'm not going to pretend to be colorblind or that it's not a part of me because it's such a big part of me. So I hope you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, it's just we've had to talk. We've had to have communication about it. And um, I've also had to allow myself to be completely confident in my blackness while dating a white person, which is mm-hmm. really hard because mm-hmm. other people, even other black people make assumptions about me, even after knowing me, when they see that I'm with someone who's white, like, oh, you've always wanted to be with a white person or like, oh, they'll say something about an instance with a white person or a racist experience and be like, oh, sorry. And I'm like, right. no, let's talk about this. Yeah, you know, that right. was racist. I'm yeah. offended too. Like, let's talk. Like, I'm not... Yeah going to um, filter my experience through a white experience or or lessen yours or even lessen my own because I recognize our history but I also know that I couldn't help but love this person right like I sorry to break it to you but it it happened like we were in a similar space and that's what happened because I feel like people think like oh there's a white man I choose you. Now I love you. You know what I mean? Like we were friends first and then we just realized it developed into something more. And I allowed myself to love someone that happened to be white. Um, But at the same time, once again, I don't pretend to not see color because I think that that's really hurtful and detrimental to history communities and bound to repeat itself, especially within a relationship. You're bound to recreate the oppressor oppressed relationship on a personal level, which can be just a new kind of pain. Right. So I think we just continue to stay together because we continue to grow together. Because something that I always say is, me at 17, which is when we started dating, shouldn't be able to date him today at 23. Okay. And me at 22 doesn't deserve his 18-year-old self because we're different people and we've grown since then. Yeah. And the reason we work is because we keep growing together. So I think that that's, um, that's really insightful. And also having grown up in white situations and it took me a lot longer to to start to really accept my blackness. Mm-hmm. And that was it was a hard process because I was already married with kids before it really started to hit me that there was this whole part of myself that I wasn't loving. Mm-hmm. And for for my wife, she loved me for who I was in the beginning. But there was things that started to happen that I felt I felt like my race was being minimized. And she never said, like, I don't see your color. She was never anything like that. It was just in spaces I felt like she felt entitled to to a certain amount of uh, superiority. And she's also a single child. There's like there's all these things at play. You know, she's my wife. A lot of things that make her feel lifted up. And I like this was shortly after um, George Floyd's incident that, you know, really kind of threw me into it. And I really had to just you know, deal with a lot of things very quickly. I, I had to say, like, I need I need you to have this conversation with me. Like, it's super important to me. I need you to, like, you know, and she did. And there was some contention and we, you know, had some fights because she, you know, none of it was about that for her. But for me, it was. And whenever somebody has told me in the past, like, I don't see color, it is, it's, if it's been somebody close to me, it has crushed me. A comedian once said that I thought was hilarious. They were like, then what do you do at a stoplight? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, my color should not inform how you behave, but it should inform you that I've been through different things. My, My culture 
has provided different things. My actual experience has just been different than you could ever experience. I wear my culture on me even whenever I wasn't attached to it. Mm. It, it was still with me. And that's good and bad. Well, I also would argue, too, that it should inform how people behave. Mm. Because and in a small instance, my mom hates being called girl, especially right. by other um, white women. And I, I think it's equivalent to me of calling black men boy. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a big trigger. Because that is literal slave owner language. Mm-hmm. And not many people understand that. So my culture not only comes with like a package of beauty that I, I'm happy to share my culture and everything, but there's also certain ways that you should behave knowing my culture is my culture. Because our history of slavery is so deeply ingrained today in mm-hmm. our society, which a lot of people refuse to see. But just even little language. Language, as Aristotle would say, language is significant of how life is. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I take that very literally of like, that is direct language from, from then. And so even if people are like, oh my God, girl, you don't, you won't believe this, right? Mm-hmm. My mom's not your girl. Everyone needs to know this. She, she'll be so honored for me to share this with everyone. <laughs> but she's not your girl because she's a woman Absolutely. who has had experiences and children and, and traumas, but also triumphs. So you just, to me, it's, uh, the girl and the boy for black people super belittling of where we came from. Right. So I just think, I think it should inform how people proceed. And I think we should once again have open dialogue so that we can educate and grow together. But you also have to be willing to change. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think that you, you really nailed that one. I, I don't have any follow up. You just crushed it. No follow up to your follow up. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you still have to think, about being authentic when you enter a situation? Or is, is it just completely natural to you at this point? I think it depends. Because I can go on autopilot even if I'm not comfortable. Like, I can be in a new situation where I'm like, I don't really know anybody, this is a little uncomfortable, and then I start having a conversation with somebody, and I'm laughing with them, and I'm being silly, and I'm I'm a very, as your YouTube people will see, I'm a very animated person, <laughs> and so I, I can just, I can allow that to shine through once I start interacting with someone, but I, I think that's what it is for me. I need to be, I need to be connecting with people, because what I'm not, I'm like, what do you do with your hands? Like, that's yeah. what I feel with my personality sometimes in uncomfortable environments when I'm not just connecting with people but I think also I want to think about it because what's authentic to me four years ago eight years ago ten years ago and authentic to me today is completely different so if I'm being that person in the past that's actually not authentic so I want to have some conscious effort because even recently I've like done or said something to where I'm like I don't want that to be authentically me anymore like I don't want that to be the part of myself that I, I want to grow past or through that. Mm. And so in order to authentically become the person that I'm wanting to, I have to be authentically present right now. Ooh, Ooh bars. Mm. If I could drop your mic, I would. Yeah, unfortunately, it is on a... It's on yes, a, no, I won't do that. Can't do it's that, very that, serious so. about it. <laughs> I, I really like that. And I like the, the presence of mind that you have. Like, I, I think that you should be intentional about it. It's something you should think about because being on autopilot is likely to have you, like you said, leaning on, leaning on past yeah. selves and you're not growing anymore. You're not like, you know, trying to push yourself, you know, into that discomfort, into that growth place where you know that you're becoming a better version of yourself. Like that's, 
I, I think that it's different for everybody. But for me, I really do authentically want to improve. I really do want to be a better version of myself every day. And that involves thinking when I enter a situation is like, all right, you need to respect yourself, be yourself. And sometimes that is being awkward in a new situation. It's like, yeah. that's that's kind of who I am. Oh, yeah, I love that. And then pushing into a conversation. It's like, uh, hi. OK. Yeah. And then once once you get that initial awkwardness out, then I feel very myself once I'm in a conversation you're absolutely right. I no longer am thinking about what to do with my hands. That's a big cat. That's, that is our cat. That's Thunder. He likes to just Go trounce around. Meow, the, yeah. Thunder? Yes. He acts lightning, like lightning, though. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Sorry, continue. Uh, no, and um, I, I think it's important to have that awareness of self to, I am awkward in this situation. Like, I do networking events, and I, I, I know that whenever I walk in, I'm if I don't know somebody there, I'm going to be awkward, mm -hmm. and that I just have to start a conversation. And it's because of that self-awareness that I know, like, it's I'm able to move through it quickly. Or otherwise, I'd spend, like I used to, spend the entire time not talking to anybody. Yeah. Because I would just live in that awkwardness. And that's part of who I am. But it's not all of me. And I want to share myself with these people I came to network with. Yeah. So I have to get past that one part. And just because it's part of you doesn't mean it gets to control all of you. And then start sharing the rest of me. I think that's really incredible perspective that I, I probably needed because like we were talking about all facets of ourselves, the awkward parts of you that are like uncomfortable in situations, those are still you. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that you're not being yourself. It's just that you're being yourself in an uncomfortable mm -hmm. situation, which is, I just think that, that that's really incredible to, to be able to recognize um, and accept that part of ourselves and nurture that part of ourselves. Cause I think the hardest thing for me is to go to a situation because I'm not often in places where I don't know one person or someone didn't invite me and there's right. like a liaison or someone, right? Mm. To just be like, hi, I'm Evelyn. Because I do not like small talk. I'm not a small talk girly. I like to get to the, the deep stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But the small talk is an uncomfortable phase, a little patch that you have to push through to open yourself up and to, to see that part of yourself. And I think that it's actual, actually a a necessary buffer because everyone's not supposed to see every part of you. Yeah. And so I think that that is a protection mechanism because we, I mean, if nothing else, we are self preserving. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of that I think is what makes people and humans different is that we emotionally do that. Mm -hmm. And so just accepting that as like a part of you, I think is just so necessary and beautiful yeah. and also gives you a little insight on introverted people. Cause I know I know as an introvert and so in social situations, like we usually have to like do something or something for uh, like an activity for him to just open up. Mm -hmm. And I think some people see that as a bad thing when it's just a part of him. Like that's just, he is being himself right mm -hmm. now. He's just uncomfortable. You know what I mean? And something really important about introverts. Like I, I, I love an introvert. My wife is one I've met Noah is that they have like really beautiful, vulnerable souls that can't handle everybody. Yeah. Like there's a reason why they're introverted. It's because they're protecting this, you know, this really great person who's not, everyone doesn't deserve that. Us, you know, us extroverts, we have a level of ourselves that we can share with everybody. Yeah. Like, even though like for me, like there is an awkward phase that got worse during COVID because I didn't see people for a long time. Yeah, same. And then, you know, come like dealing with that, recognizing that coming out of that, doing this show, having people in my house. Like there's lots of different things I've got to push through, but it's like, I want to connect. That's the authentic part of me. I want to honor is I want to connect with people. Mm. So everything else has to take a back seat. I have to acknowledge it and I got to move through it. 
And but these introverts, like they don't really like they married or are with like my wife married me mm-hmm. and we have our kids. That's who she wants to connect with. And outside of that, she could really do without the rest of the world. So whenever we're in situations, I'm like, hey, babe, why don't you talk to me? It, it's not that for her. She's like, I don't really yeah. need, you know, need that. Well, also with introverts, a visual that I like to think of, because when I was in middle school, high school, I was a 98% extrovert on the Myers-Briggs. Now I'm pretty even, but I was like mega extrovert, like poster child for extroverts. I get energy just from being around everyone. Mm. So what I had to see is like, we're all like a little ball in water, right? And extroverts have more of their person the ball is higher up above the water and there's less below the surface. Mm-hmm. And introverts, there's a little bit above the surface, but a lot of it is below the surface. And we all have the same depth. But introverts, you just got to dig a little deeper and be patient mm-hmm. and allow them to show you more. Exactly. Which is which is fine. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And extroverts just have to remember, like, my ball is different than your ball. Don't expect it to just happen the same. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something I've struggled with is like, Whenever so we have friends over like that's that's our main way of interacting with the world is we like I'll cook dinner and we'll have friends over and our their, our kids will play with each other and we'll just have a conversation. I nobody is ever allowed to leave mm-hmm. like they like they, it used to be like ten hour hangouts yeah. and now like now it's much more like four to six hours but like I'm always upset when people leave and I have to remember that. For one, the the introverts are generally ready to go about two hours. <laughs> the other extroverts may be down for that time, but it's like even towards the end, some people don't want that much connection. Mm-hmm. And I have to be willing to accept what's good for them if I want that relationship to continue and be good for both of us. It's like, okay, they've had enough. We've had a great time. Get out. And so me trying to guilt yeah. trip them was like, oh, you can't stay for like a coffee or... <laughs> That sounds like something similar within me because I, I'm better about it now for sure. But when I was young, I wanted to hang out for ever. Like I never wanted it to end, but I realized that that was really stemming from childhood trauma. Mm. Just coming from one parent. I didn't want this interaction to, to end. Cause what if it was our last wow. or like, I don't know. There's just a lot of uncertainty. And so I know we're here right now together and we're having fun. So let's just keep having fun so much to where you can kind of overstay your welcome. And Mm -hmm. so I've had to realize that I'm like, "Hmm, that's not normal. Not everyone feels that feeling, you know. And so that might be something too to look into from from your past that might be affecting that. Because for me, I had to realize that this is not. I I know for sure that uncertainty is definitely something that was my parents divorced when I was. 11 but yeah. they were unstable much long before that they should have never been married talk about oil and water yeah. not a good not a good mix um so yeah i know that uncertainty is definitely something and then whenever i am in something good i just want to i want to stay in it yeah. and that's i'm definitely aware of that part but looking at it as a as a childhood trauma effect i'd never considered that there's so much that is affected by my childhood that i hadn't even gone to the things that like, aren't that negative. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like I'm so focused on the that fact are simple that, facts about you. Exactly. I'm so focused on the fact of, you know, like worried about my wife leaving me mm-hmm. because of the, you know, the attachment trauma that I've got from my father and mother getting divorced. Those are the things that I'm looking at, whereas something small like that could just slide under the radar and it's like, oh, 
man, it really does control everything. <laughs> everything. It does. It shapes so much of who we are. But like you said, it's not all negative. Yeah. But they're all, there are small things that we can go through too. You know what I mean? That aren't just the big things. It's just, I don't know, there's just small aspects of our daily lives. And I'm like, huh, someone who hasn't been through that doesn't feel like that, mm-hmm. you know? So, counseling. <laughs> counseling. Counsel yourself. Yeah, it's, it's really important to... To be able to have that conversation of what would this be like for somebody who hasn't been through my experiences and then to interact with people in a way that doesn't assume that they're going to react the way that you would, because sometimes that's a really bad thing. Absolutely. It's like I'm going to, you know, freak out about somebody leaving, which I don't ever really freak out, but it's like because I would be afraid that I wouldn't see them again or see them anytime soon. It's like I have to make the most of now. And that's that's not necessarily healthy. That's and they're just, like, see you tomorrow. It's like, no, you will not. No, you won't. Yeah. <laughs> we before COVID, mm-hmm. it was like we had people over two to three times a week, and now that yeah. is, oh, it's like two or three times a month if we're if we're pushing it. Yeah. Like it's exhausting now. Like not because I don't love my people. I love my people to death, and they're it's really fun to have them over. But it's just at the end, you just feel. it's done now. Like, okay, that was fun, but I need a break. I just need to be around just my people because I was around nothing but my people for almost two years. And now that's where I find all the comfort and all the safety and all the good things. Well, for me too, that period of the pandemic was actually very healthy. Um, Let me rephrase. It, it, (laughs) It brought me to a healthier place because I, in high school, I was around people, kid you not, Monday through Friday, of course, and I would go home with a friend Friday, come back Sunday night, go to school Monday, mm. or I would go to school with them Monday. Like, I was around people all of the time, and so I wow. genuinely did not know how to be by myself. It stressed me out, and it freaked me out, and so being with the pandemic, having to be the only kid at home with my mom, mm-hmm. who also had a life, like, I had to really learn to sustain my relationship with myself, wow. which is something that I'm still learning, but for me as an extrovert, I'm not just like... Whew, my battery's drained. I need to go have some time. I get irritable. I get like annoyed. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's because you should be by yourself. You know right. what I mean? Like the signs for me look different, but I still do need my space and time. Mm-hmm. But the the pandemic just forced me to understand that more time with yourself can be really good and really healthy. So I found that through through the pandemic, but I feel like for extroverts, the pandemic was restorative mm-hmm. and it was a forced restoration. Yeah. It was like, like you said, I, I could definitely need to be shut down versus saying that was nice. Let's go. Yeah. My wife will tell you that she had to drag me out of every party we've ever gone to because I'm like, I'm not done yet. <laughs> and, but even though it's like, you're hungry, you're tired, you need to go to the bathroom. Like, like but I'm she like, sees your signs, but you don't. Exactly, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I'm like, and I'm just like FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. Like I don't want to miss anything, yeah. and that's something that has been, you know, that I came to terms with is like I missed everything, and life went on. Mm. Like everybody still lived their lives, and everybody was okay. So it's all right for one to leave a conversation to go to the bathroom. You don't have to wait for six hours because you're afraid you're going to miss something. That was something I had to come to terms with. Yeah, and it's okay for your friends to come and go, and that's all right. And if they're not supposed to be there anymore, if that is the last interaction, that might be for the best. Yeah, that's true. I mean, 
I'm a, I'm a big believer in there being a bigger plan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, you know, also people being in your life for a reason or a season. Like, like I was talking to you earlier, we're going to be moving at the beginning of October and we're going to be leaving all of our friends. And that's really hard for me. Yeah. But at the same time, we, there's still going to be, you know, to, we'll they'll still be in my heart. We'll still be able to, you know, a phone call away. Some will be willing to travel and see us every now and then. All those things are great, but we have to be willing to let go of that part for this next journey because, you know, there it's a big thing. Yeah. Moving across country is a huge thing and that you so much uncertainty. There's a lot of risk and but it's exciting. There's so much excitement. There's so much, you know, possibility and that's that's really amazing. And my kids are so excited. That's good. My my son just keeps saying, New England. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that mean? Yes. <laughs> like, it means interesting. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Please talk to me. Are we doing something you hate? No, they're, they're excited. They're oh, all that's excited. That's awesome, though. We were terrified because, like, they're uh, my son's best friend lives one street over from here, so they literally mm-hmm. they play every day, and I, you know, it's like that's going to be hard. But living close to the ocean, like my wife is such, a, she is like a mermaid. Like she's like she's been like robbed of her water self for like all this time, and my kids have part of that, and so they were like, "We'll be pretty close to the ocean. Like we'll be able to go like more than the one time we've been as a family ever." Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they're like, "Oh my god, that sounds amazing!" And seafood and seafood, <laughs> authentic like, seafood, exactly. Not, not landlocked, exactly. Seafood. <laughs> not landlocked crab, <laughs> farm raised salmon, and like. My kids are, they're, they're food so snobs. Like, I can cook. Mm-hmm. And so they very early learned the difference between good and bad food and quality stuff. And they're like, yeah, let me get some of that. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that's good. I mean, it's a good problem not many parents have. So. Exactly. I mean, it until everybody wants to eat again after dinner. It's like, oh, you know, you got my snack cell, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Last night, everybody was eating until they went to bed. I was like, oh, my God, just go to sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're a great guest. Thank oh my you God. so much. Time has flown. Have me back. Um, what, like, so we talked about representing yourself authentically. Like, how say, uh, sorry, how high would you say that, that ranks in your, like, list of priorities? Being yourself. I think it's really the first and only thing that matters. The only thing that matters. <laughs> first wow. And only, only first. Because um, the word priority, originally, I don't know what language origin... It was, but it meant first, right? It meant, like, one. Mm-hmm. And we, as people, I've read this in the book Essentialism. It's incredible and great for workaholics. You should read it. Okay. But um, priorities, we we developed the word priorities. It's not supposed to be what it is. Ooh. So priority, my first priority, being myself. Because what I've learned, um, once again, authenticity is just such a big umbrella that mm-hmm. I feel like so many things can go under it. Mm-hmm. But... What I've learned just even in this past year of Miss Oklahoma is being proud of yourself and who you are and what you put out is infinitely more important than anything you could ever accomplish ever. Wow. Because what is, I just don't see any other point now. Now that I've discovered truly being proud of myself despite an outcome, I don't feel like I I would be chasing that feeling forever if I never achieved it again. Like Mm. if I was president of the United States, a millionaire, had the perfect everything, but I wasn't proud of it all. It just, it would feel like nothing now that I felt proud of myself mm. before because 
I'm a very accomplished person and I like to succeed and I like to um, crush different goals just because the people before me didn't have access to them. So people are like, why would you want to pursue a law degree or a PhD? I'm like, just because I can, because the people before me couldn't. Mm. So for me being proud of everything that I'm walking into, if I just walk away with a philosophy degree, am I proud? Yes, then keep it. Mm. If I want a PhD, if I'm proud, then do it. Because if I'm not myself, and I'm not proud of that person, then everything else is secondary. Mm. Nothing else can feel incredible or or feel like it's right if you don't like who you're becoming. And if the authentic self that you're putting out is not who you want it to be, then it just, I feel like everything else just kind of, is just on autopilot like we were talking about before. Yeah. It's just like happening without you actually enjoying it, everything around you and you as a person. So that, that, we kind of touched on this earlier, but I'd like to hear a, like a deeper perspective from you. Changing and evolving as a person, like I know, like I know you think that's accepting your authentic self, but at, is there a point at which changing is giving up yourself? Do you do you, or do you think that it's always good to be willing to change? I think that you just have to be. Um, you just have to discern in what environment. And I th- what I've just decided to start filtering it through is, are you proud of yourself? Mm. Because if I go into a new space and I'm, once again, I compete in pageants and there's not many women that look like me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm lessening certain parts of my story even, because as a miss, I have been very um, open and adamant about telling my story. And not, not everyone is comfortable with that, right? Mm. But I'm proud to do it because people come up after to me. And they're like, that was so beautiful. Or my kid went through the same thing. Or um, I'm just so inspired by you. And so even if I don't win everything, I'm winning because I've learned to win with or without a crown by being proud of myself. Mm. Um, And so change that comes can be negative for sure. I think anything that is different is, is a form of change. But positive change to me is being proud of the person that you're becoming. And that doesn't always have to sit well with other people. They don't always have to agree with it. But that's why I, once again, like jokingly and seriously um, recommend counseling because you get to measure up against someone who studies people and studies being there for people and say, like, this is the change that I'm thinking. What do you think? And they're like, don't do that. <laughs> no, that's that's not a good change. Don't be proud of that one. Or like, that's a great change. Or let's make this change together. Or this is how you make that change. Because I have a lot of avenues of self-awareness that I know I want to be this person. I know where I am. But it's that disconnect of how you get there. Because either it hasn't been modeled for me before. Right. Or I'm just 22-year-old and I still need to figure that out. So that's why counseling to me is important. Because I get to see what type of changes i'm actually coming about that was that was exactly what i was looking for um i had another question based on that now i've forgotten because you i just got so lost in your answer (laughs) that sometimes i I have to forget i'm sorry i need to remember that as a host you don't just get to be the participant in the conversation you also have to remember how to guide it (laughs) like you can't just just listen to it back yeah that's true (laughs) i I can listen to it later Mm -hmm. no in order to ask a question i gotta be listening to what you're saying too so you got um, a hard job i don't envy it right now (laughs) um oh yeah so you've talked a lot about your story and i think that we've touched on it you know to a degree is there anything else about your story that you want to share that so people get the whole you know the whole picture Hmm. 
talked about your humble beginnings. We've talked about, you know, coming up in a white environment as a, you know, as a black child. What else has informed your life? Like, what else has helped bring this version of Evelyn to us? Well, as you know, I recently became a CPR instructor. And I didn't know how much heart health would really be involved in my life until this past year when my grandmother was diagnosed with congestive heart failure. Mm -hmm. And I was actually born with a heart murmur, which is why I have this queen of the hearts right here, Mm -hmm. because that's what my grandparents always called me, because I was also born on Valentine's Day with a heart murmur. And then my grandmother got congestive heart failure. And I had already been um, volunteering in emergency preparedness for, for years. And then I found like an avenue that I'm super passionate about. Um, And so that recently is really shaping who I am, being able to help people save lives in the literal palm of their hand, Mm -hmm. which is to me incredible. And I think within that, I guess, circling back service is important to me, finding a way to be in um, and serving for the communities that I'm a part of has shaped a lot of me. And even before I started competing in Miss Oklahoma or Miss Oklahoma's team, I remember service shaping my family because my grandpa would go through McDonald's and buy a hundred cheeseburgers and we would go out and I was, I was more shy as a kid. Um, so (laughs) he would like roll down the window and be like, Hey, God bless you. Here's a sandwich. Right. And he would have us do it too. So that we had the first literal touch with service from a very Mm. young age. And so we'd hand it out, but I'd be like, here you go. Here's the sandwich. But, um, I just think service is an important part of me and what I also want to pass down to anyone who comes after me because something that I want to leave as a legacy is, oh, she loved. Mm. Like, oh, Evelyn, she loved people. Because you think about people's funerals and you think about people who so many people show up. Recently, Noah's grandmother passed and she was, until the last days, always serving people, always active in her church, but the type of person that was always what you needed Mm. and always there and always organizing, always volunteering. Um, And so that is the type of person that I want to be remembered as, which takes a lot of self-work right now to what, like we were talking about before, making sure that you aren't just focusing on what's happening to you. Um, And so I'm someone who's, I'm learning, uh, we've bonded over ADHD, which has been special to me because not many people know that about me or assume that because women A lot of women are high functioning because we're taught to suppress those symptoms. But a part of that is just having really big emotions, right? And so I'm learning to regulate those. And one thing that my counselor told me to do is to call a friend. Like if I'm dealing with a lot inside of me, help somebody else. And it works. Mm -hmm. It works so much. Just being able to be there for someone else, it just immediately like subsides my feelings and gives me perspective of not necessarily like, oh, their life is so terrible. Mine is good now. But it's just like okay, I was able to help someone help yourself. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you were talking about before, your pain will last as long as you allow it to. And I, I kind of amend that to like, the pain might last, but your hope is what you can change. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks. All right, Evelyn. So as my friend Derek said, I think we should probably start landing this plane. Um, <laughs> Play closing time. Yeah, we're, yeah. Get your drinks ordered. Get your drink orders in. Um Oh, this is a question that I think that would be good for you. Was there ever a time where being authentic didn't work out for you? Yes. (laughs) Most of my childhood. Because I would just, I would, seven habits, 
seek first to under be to be understood. Mm-hmm. So something that I'm really trying to live by is seek first to understand and then be understood. Even in this interaction right here, right? Like we're giving a dialogue exchange and for me to not just want to jump in and like cut you off and be like, and then I thought of this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To just like, yes, I have something to think of. Yes, I have something to say, but just listen, you might learn something. Mm-hmm. And so as a kid, I was the, I know, I know, I know this, I know that. And it's like, you knew my favorite color before I even told you, <laughs> like, right. you know what I mean? Like I knew everything. And so now I'm trying to really be a forever student, which is a learning process for sure. But, um, yeah, I'm just trying to continue to learn instead of um, authentically giving all of myself. Not everything has, um, not everything is appropriate for that time or place. And my mom has taught me that is what you're saying timely, necessary, and important. And mm-hmm. if all things are true in that moment, that's when you move forward. But that's true with any aspect of yourself. If everything you're offering, because you're interacting with other people and you're trying to learn to not not even be the hero in everyone's story, but just to be a bystander. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just need to be a person in someone's story. So you have to know those three things. Is it timely, necessary, and important before you act so you can make sure that everything you're doing is in the appropriate time and space? Wow. I'm going to take a second to say, Mama Smith, you did such an incredible job. I'm sorry, what's that? Carter. Uh, Mama Carter. (laughs) You did such an incredible job with this one. Like, the things that she has, she, I don't know, bred into you are so, like, they're so beautiful and they're so life-affirming. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are, you know, try to be intentional and try to do certain things for their their kids when they raise them and they don't end up serving them in the long run. Mm-hmm. The things that she has, like, she has given you to go out on your own with are so good. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's done a great job and, like, I know that you're an amazing person on your own. Part of that was, you know, it's nature versus nurture. Like you were given some really great starting things to to start out with. And you've done a great job taking them and making them your own. And I'm just, I'm really impressed by you. And I think that you are, you're going to do big, huge things. You're, you're going to be able to fulfill whatever, you know, path you choose to lay out. And I'm, I'm excited for you. So where can people find out more about Evelyn Smith? Yeah, so my Instagram is probably the main one. At ev.y is one. And then I think my website is evelynsmith.info if you want to see about my service and how to get me connected to you and your organizations or volunteer opportunity. I'm always taking volunteer opportunities, I'll say that. Um, Pouring into young people and speaking to them, that is a passion of mine. Um, Also, just Evelyn Smith on Facebook. So any of those platforms, you can reach me. But And you should, like... Yes, your, please. I love conversation. Your Instagram is fun. Like, you you know, you give us a good look of, you know, it's a good balance of pageant life and, you know, just your real life. And I, I think that, authenticity. Oh, yes, <laughs> I think it's a very authentic Instagram account. And I, and I like that. And you also talk about like behind the scenes and stuff in your stories. I think that you like, you really do share a good like cross section of real and also like so many people's are just like just perfect, perfectly curated beauty, which is nice. But also, like I like to know a little bit more, and you do a really great job of sharing that. So, Thank you and so I don't much. really talk about people's Instagram accounts. Like that's, that's not, a really big compliment because social yeah. media has been something I've had to work at. So that's 
I appreciate hearing. Yeah, there's there's a lot that I, a lot of people I follow just because we're friends, and mm. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> like, no, like none of this is like I've seen. I know what your kids look like. I've seen them all. I meet. I see them in person. What is really going on? And many people don't share that, and it's like, this is what I'm up to right now. This is what's happening. This is what I did, and it's much more interesting to like see somebody you know doing those. It's like, oh, hey, she's doing something different right now, and that's really nice. So good job with that. Thank you. Another pat on the back. Gold star. Um, is there anything else I didn't ask you about that you want to share or just talk about? Uh, I'll have a question for you. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how this works. Yeah, sorry. Give me that. No, yeah. What, what can I do? Um, yeah. So with making this leap, you know, I kind of saw this transition for you. We we went to lunch and started talking about um, your, your dreams and life plans. Yeah. But making this um, jump to the podcast, how do you think that it's growing you and allowing you to tell more of your story? Oh, man, um, that's a really good question. Uh, for one, this leap was one that was like the podcast leap was my wife's idea. Totally. She apparently had been thinking for a long time that this would be something good for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't ready for it yet. Yeah. Like, you know, there was too many other things that was eating up my mental energy. And like now that all that stuff is off the plate, like I have my business plan laid out. Like I've I've done everything I can to prepare for the business portion of my life. Mm-hmm. And now it's about really just building relationships and, you know, starting to be a bigger part of the community. I feel so good about it. Like, it feels really, like, natural. And, you know, obviously, like, it's going to be a process getting to become the best podcast host I can be. But if this were to be all I did, I would I would be really happy in life. And yeah. so... Um, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm good at answering the questions. No, you did, though. Uh, yeah, I, this has been... I'm trying hard not to just tell my story, though. Like, I really want to be invested in other people's stories and, like, how those stories are going to help enrich people's lives and help people heal. Because my story is important, too, but I, I, I don't know. I don't want – I'll probably do one, like, a, an episode at one time and kind of talk about me. Outside of that, like, I feel like I'm better because of my experiences asking other people about theirs. Well, I feel like you do a really good job, too, about telling your story and relating, but also just facilitating and listening. So I think that you do a good mix of both to where I feel like I've learned more about you and found out about you, but also that you are invested in my story and telling that. So thank you, but you're doing great. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And that's the goal is to have a balance to where people learn a little bit more about me each episode, but it's not... You only get to be here for an episode. Mm-hmm. Like, it's my show. I'll be here all the time. So I, I just need to infuse little parts of myself and really let the guests have the platform to, to share their story because I want people to know you. Like, I want I had you on the show because I like knowing you, and I think people should know you because you're a great human being and you have a great story to share. And, yeah, I think people should know it. So thank you for coming on also. And such a quick turnaround. I was like, hey, you want to do it? You're like, I'll be there in two days. I was like, yes. <laughs> Tis the life of uncertainty. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and check out earlier episodes as well to support the future creation of great content. You can follow me at Authentic Identity Management on Instagram, Facebook, Threads, and LinkedIn. We've also got our YouTube channel up and running now. That's Authentic Bruce. And you can see unfiltered and uncut episodes of Authentic on Air with Bruce Alexander. Finally, if you are struggling to show up as yourself in your content, your brand, or your life, I would love to help you. Authentic Identity Management does brand coaching to help you align yourself with the identity you share with the world. 
It's exhausting to live someone else's life. Live authentically and access the potential that belongs only to you. Contact me on social or email Bruce at, Bruce at authentic, AuthenticIdentityManagement.com for a free 30-minute consultation. So <clears throat> I just wanted to do a little outro today. Um, to all our listeners and viewers on YouTube, thanks for sticking with me. I really enjoy this, so I'm going to do everything I can to produce a quality show and continue to grow as a host. Part of that is programming, and on that note, I am working on big things. Right now, I am in scheduling talks with Oklahoma City's own JB, an internationally known rapper, entrepreneur, and East Side Change agent. Also, KOKH's Fox News anchor Adam King is uh, also trying to figure out his schedule so he can be on the show. Um, I really am also calling in every favor I can think of to get every person I know who has an interesting story on the show because I really want to just create engaging content and I want people to have this opportunity to grow, heal, and you know be the best version of themselves. So while I strive to improve this show and constantly evolve, I hope it is helping you do the same. Thank you for listening. Until next time, please love yourself. Bye.